Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Make Earth Think Again podcast. Uh, and today we're going to be carrying on talking about the aftermath of what happened yesterday. If you don't know, yesterday the news came out from the FBI that they are investigating the the allegations to do with Trump and Russia. And it's amazing to see at the moment what's been coming out from both the media and people's general reactions. And the first story that I want to get up, this comes from Common Dreams, and is the news that the FBI and the NSA chiefs are being forced to fact check their bosses. Um, as Trump live tweets about the hearing. And if you take this on face value to start off with, um, it just feels like now not even the FBI can trust themselves. It's... uh, I just... I just... I don't know. Like, how is anybody meant to trust what the FBI and the NSA says if... You know, the president, just through tweeting during the um, the hearing, just from him tweeting, he can f- pretty much peer pressure the NSA and FBI to do fact-checking. And, I mean, it's gone to a point whereby, you know, there's loads of people that are doing the fact-checking for themselves. So, I remember seeing one story, um, this was on the Donald, I'm not going to cl- include it, um, at the moment on uh, the uh, description of this podcast, but um, it said how, you know, because one of the claims that came out from Comey was the idea that the president can't just authorise uh, wiretapping, and somebody was able to dig up uh, an article from The Guardian, which, you know, for actual giving out of facts, they're very reputable, um, you know, proved that... Back in, I think it was 2011, um, it was authorised for unwarranted wiretapping, which is pretty much the premises behind you know the president either being or not being able to authorise wiretapping. So, you know, if people are able to fact-check themselves, and yet the FBI and the NSA, you know, beforehand can't, how are we meant to trust what they are saying? And the thing is, it's amazing to see the reactions that are coming out from both sides. So I'm going to be looking at both the Donald and politics, because even though, because I mean, the Donald is most definitely one side of the argument. You know, it's pro-Donald Trump, it's in the name. But politics, you would have thought that they were pretty partisan, but at the moment they've been quite anti-Trump in what they've been doing. So I'm going to bring up, to start off with, the thread talking about the hearing. They posted it online um, and the mods uh, happily approved of it and also gave extra links uh, for the um, hearing. I'm going to address the top comment to start off with um, and it says, from what was said and what was not said, it sounds like the FBI may be considering other actors besides the Russians. He made it a point to say that the supposed in- intrusions were, to paraphrase, unusually loud. That to me says the FBI may believe it was a misdirection. It was also pointed out that the DNC did not let the FBI s- see the servers and also 
that the investigation was kicked off based on information from a DNC hired company. To top it off, he was directed to let everyone know that there is indeed an investigation into ties between Russia and Trump. That shows to the public that Trump is not interfering with any inter investigation and feels fully confident that it will not that it will find nothing on him and this is a well put forward argument well there's two arguments in this the first is the idea that it is unusually loud and and also tied in with that point is the idea of what's being said and what's not being said because the FBI at the moment it feels like even before the elections whereby they had this on off period talking about the Hillary Clinton emails was it felt like they weren't they were very choice in what words they were using so it kind of with their choice of words it it kind of created a layer of ambiguity which is something that you know at the moment is hard to infer from fully you know we're not just getting you know the facts up straight because if they just said you know we're investigating any ties between Trump and the alleged um, Russia probing. We believe that it could be Russia, but it could also be somebody else. If they had just come out and said that and took all the questions and were saying the questions truthfully, then we wouldn't be having, you know, this full discussion. We'd be discussing about the actual facts itself. We wouldn't be having, you know, Trump being able to put the spin on what was being said, which, I mean, they're valid um, spins, in a sense, if you actually look through what's being tweet, what's being treated out. Uh, the other point that was given out was the idea that Trump is allowing this investigation to go through. Uh, and the thing is, that is true, because even though he is, you know, verbally showing, you know, being against it, that's that's kind of common like i i wouldn't expect anything else from you know anybody that was going under investigation you know i if anybody went under investigation they're going to be denouncing it straight away so the idea of you know him denouncing it at the moment is no big deal but the idea though that this investigation is still going ahead trump isn't forcing the FBI to stop their investigations, they're not forcing the NSA to stop doing what they're doing, shows that, you know, he's allowing this to go through and is kind of a point towards him showing that, you know, they, he won't be found out for anything. You know, they're not going to find anything about it. I'm going to move on now to the comments that are put on the uh, politics subreddit to see what uh, they've been saying there was a comment that piqued my eye to start off with i'm going to move into why i'm not the biggest fan of this uh, i'm just going to go with the start of it and is the reason why i'm going to be talking about the next thing i'm going to talk about and that is if i correctly understand the precedent set by republican voters last year the existence of an fbi investigation into hillary clinton's private email server was enough to uh, assume guilt and chant lock her up so this is kind of saying why aren't we getting you know, this kind of reception for um, for this investigation. And I'm going to counter that because I believe that with the FBI investigation, that was more 
of a confirmation for what we already know. Because if I go onto WikiLeaks, which at the moment is more trusted than the FBI in terms of getting reliable data about uh, these kinds of investigations, if you, I'm going to leave the links to two searches. The first is going to be uh, if you go on the WikiLeaks website and type in the search term Podesta, which is all about the whole email scandal with the DNC and with Hillary Clinton. And you can see there's 11,278 search results that that are incriminating. They've been, over the last uh, couple of years, they show uh, 2015, 2016, and you know they that is the proof you know initially that you know stuff has been happening with hillary clinton and the email servers um there's also i'm not going to include this link at the moment but if you just look at the dnc email archive and all the stuff that's being said about that so you know there is you know physical proof before there was the investigation whereas if i go onto wikileaks again and use the search term Trump Russia, because if I just type in Trump, uh, it's very broad. So, and if I type in Russia, again, it's very broad. If I type in Trump Russia or Russia Trump, both um, come up with the same results. We only see about 4,000 results. And the first ones that come up is the DNC trying to create their own stories about things. So it is, um, it feels like, a lot of this is, you know, this idea of, you know, they're only doing it because it's against Hillary. No, it's not because of that. It's because, you know, there is some form of evidence beforehand. You know, the FBI going into this investigation isn't, you know, partially confirming something, as it did with the Podesta emails. It was partially confirming that these emails are you know, a cause for concern, because at the moment there isn't anything from somebody like WikiLeaks saying that there is a point of concern, here's the evidence. So that's why, you know, people are up in arms, well, people were up in arms against um, Hillary Clinton, whereas they're not so in terms of Russia and the allegations of them having collusions with Donald Trump. The next story I want to go to as we keep with the United States is the news that um, Tillerson, uh, the um, the Secretary of State, um, has decided to skip uh, meetings with NATO and is instead going to be meeting with Russia in April. And this is a point of contention mainly because of what was happening during the talks between uh, Angela Merkel and Donald Trump over the weekend. Uh, one of the points that was uh, put out that was that Donald Trump wants uh, NATO members to pay for their support, which is a fair enough thing for people to be up at arms about. But this uh, news that's coming out that Tillerson wants to meet Russia rather than NATO, I don't get why people should be getting up in arms about this. Because what it feels like is that the Trump government wants to be friendly towards Russia and friendly towards China as well because of some of the other things that have been coming out as well. And with that, I don't blame them because you've got to remember that China and Russia, 
however big they are, they are still considered superpowers because you think all the fuel, or not all of, a lot of fuel used, a lot of oil, comes from Russia. So if you can be, you know, buddies with Russia, then you're not going to be running out of oil anytime soon, which means you can fund, uh, you know, an army, run an army, run a country. With China, they have a massive, um, a massive economy and an even greater workforce. Even though, you know, Trump is talking about um, having US jobs, you can't, you know, disregard the fact that there are, you know, millions and millions of people in China that are able to work and do, you know, a job for um, anybody that needs it. So you need to have this, um, you know, partnership with China because they're going to be able to do the work that you're not able to do. So in that regard, I don't think there is much of a problem with that. In terms of you know, him disregarding NATO, you've got to consider that the, you know, these nations, I don't want to say they do, but it's almost like they do bow down to America. The only reason why, you know, many of, you know, the people you know, are able to go to war is because, you know, America does help with that. You don't see, you know, you don't see efforts from, um, you know, British forces not being backed up by American forces as of lately. America goes into their own wars, of course, but, you know, if Britain wants to join them, then they're going to be using the help of the Americans. That's what it feels like at the moment. So, to disregard NATO at the moment feels like you know, they're not really threatening anything. They're not threatening any alliance because that alliance is strong enough at the moment that they can kind of leave it to one side whilst they talk with you know countries such as Russia and China to try and get you know the best for the United States forum. In terms of other news that is also international is the news about the French election um, and uh, a recent debate that came uh, through um, that has led to great clashes. Um, the debate uh, that sparked the most controversy was that uh, talking about the burkini, uh, which is the full-length uh, burqa crossed with uh, swimming suit um, kind of style thing that has many people uh, concerned. Um, and the main dis people discussing it was, of course, Le Pen and her nearest rival, Emmanuel Macron. So... Because this is how it feels like at the moment in terms of the election. Because many people, for the first um, round of elections, are happily putting Le Pen first. With almost everybody else saying that Macron will come second. And then what would happen after that is that Macron will go on and win it. Uh, that's what uh, polls are suggesting at the moment. And if you apply what happened, or what is happening to some extent, in the Netherlands, you can kind of see why that is the case. Because, as uh, many people have pointed out, um, with the Dutch elections, was that, um, you know, even if the Dutch won, and uh, not the Dutch one, if the Freedom Party won, which, as we know, they didn't, but if they did, 
you know, nobody would want to go into coalition with them. That's why, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't perceived as going to win. And it feels like a similar case in terms of Le Pen in France. Even though she's got a very good chance of winning and she'll at least be second place, you know, you got to think, not many people, once, you know, their candidate loses, is going to go over to Le Pen. Because you think at the moment, the top five or six... Um, five or six candidates if I remember correctly I think there is a list of them in terms of showing their political alliance uh yeah so you have of course Macron which is centre-right along with uh the uh, sorry Macron is centralist then you have the centre-right contender of uh Philon which uh if he loses I feel like supporters will you know, they can go either way. There's not really, you know, much... Like, they're just as far apart as each other in terms of Philon and Macron and Philon and Le Pen. But then you have the other two candidates which are massive left-wing advocates. You have Hamon and uh, Mélenchon. I can't... I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but you know, bear with me. Uh, so... You know, if if they most likely will lose, they're more likely to vote for somebody like Macron instead of Le Pen because Le Pen is on the complete opposite side of the spectrum to him. So I can see why many people are more likely to vote for Macron in the second round than Le Pen because Le Pen is not closest to many of the other candidates. However... You know, there is, you know, that one month period between uh, the first round where, you know, most people are predicting Le Pen and Macron to come out ahead and the actual second round of elections that will actually decide who will be the president. And I feel like when we get to that point, you know, that's going to be knuckle down time for her. That's going to be the time in which... Um, you know, most of that campaigning, getting through the actual policies that, you know, want to be pushed forward and pushing that, um, you know, anti-EU, um, anti-EU, um, message across. I feel like in that month's time, we could see a lot happening because if what's happening in the world now, you know, does promote the, um, the support for Le Pen as it has been over the past couple of months, then, you know, we could see more people shifting towards Le Pen than Macron. Because we also have to consider, some people, once these elections, once the first round of elections go through, many people won't just straight away go away with the person that's nearest to their political alliance. They're going to go, you know, there will be people that will be undecided and will have to properly think through what you know what each person is saying what their actual policies are and from there we might see you know um we might see you know le pen being able to convince you know the people that are undecided after the first round to go out and vote you know for her but at the same time she's going to have to pull a very tough job to do such a thing you know, we do have to see what will come later on uh, in terms of how she actually uh, plays this. Uh, in terms of other news, 
we had the news coming out from Reuters uh, as an exclusive saying that the Trump administration is uh, looking into potentially sanctioning North Korea um, as reports from a US official. So this is the idea that um, the Trump administration, uh, instead of um, going to war, which was an option, as uh, was discussed earlier last week, uh, was it last week or was it um, the other day? I can't remember. I believe it was uh, earlier last week. I'm going to see if I can go through my notes to see when this initial thoughts came through but i can't find it oh no it was um just a couple days ago i reported it on the show yesterday and um you know seeing that they're looking into sanctions that are economical is a good thing compared to what it could be it could be war which, you know, like I said, nobody wants to have war. So, you know, having economical sanctions makes sense because they are becoming a threat. Because we see time and time again, uh, they are improving their military power. And, you know, that is a cause for concern for, um, for the US because they want, don't want to threaten uh, peace in any way. And neither does many countries, because many countries see North, see North Korea as a threat. So them coming up with, uh, you know, the idea of economic sanctions for North Korea for committing, well not committing, but um, becoming a nuclear state and becoming a threat to, you know, admittedly Western civilization. You know, it makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if um, many countries, many governments kind of follow suit with um, these announcements or at least won't uh, condemn them and will go along with them. So it would be good to see you know, what comes out of it. Hopefully they won't go too strict because I feel like if they go too strict, they're more likely to provoke a war because of the sentiment between you know, King John and being completely restricted so there is a chance that he'll just go full out um, and the report uh, says that there is a good chance that many banks that uh, do business with North Korea many of which being Chinese would also be a target of sanctions which I don't know how they would play out necessarily in terms of will they get fined will they have uh, ties severed if they have ties with the United States so you know it would be good to see you know what does come out of this in other news as I flick through at the moment uh, the news is coming out about new uh, flight ban regulations and that is the idea that um, the US have confirmed and now the UK looking to follow suit uh, is the idea of restrictions coming through in terms of electronics being put onto planes. Um, and most of the countries that are being affected by these 
bans are six Middle Eastern and North African countries, as the BBC report about the UK sanctions uh, has stated. Um, the uh, US have put in place uh, 10 airports that uh, will not be allowed to have um, electronics um, through their system if they want to go to the US. Um, these airports include Cairo, Istanbul, Kuwait, Doha, uh, um, what else? Uh, Casablanca, uh, Amman, uh, Riyadh, oh, I can't pronounce that one, but there's two in Saudi Arabia, as well as Dubai and Abu Dhabi being the ones on the list. So, uh, it will be, um, it will be interesting to hear why this is the case, because I feel like with this, you know, we're looking at countries that, you know, have a very similar kind of thoughts in terms of the travel ban project, um, produced by Donald Trump. You know, they have the same kind of thoughts towards them in terms of safety. But in with this, it feels like they're, they're trying to cut down on a more immediate threat, which is um, airport security, flight security, which has been a big concern post 9-11. So it makes sense that there is these concerns. But it is interesting that it's only happening at certain airports. I can kind of see why uh, Cairo is an issue because over the last couple of years there was the problems of uh, many flights uh, exploding, crashing and all that kind of stuff in the Egyptian region. So it makes sense that um, these um, airports are coming under question. But it is strange to see that it's only so many um airports that are actually doing this so for example only cairo in egypt why not any other egyptian airports why doha in qatar rather than any other airports in qatar why only casablanca in mon in morocco why not any other moroccan airports and um as far as i know um the only reason there doesn't seem to be much of uh, a reason in terms of a cohard reason the only reason that was given was from a department of homeland um homeland security spokeswoman spokeswoman julianne uh christensen who said that the government did not target specific nations um and that they relied upon evaluated intelligence to determine which airports were affected but it, in terms of, you know, why fully, it does make you wonder why that is the full case. Because, you know, is there just a concern with how the uh, security works at these airports? In which case, they need to be, you know, informed that they have to have, you know, a check, you know, they have to improve um, training of the security agents 
So are they only doing this because you know, there is a threat from the countries, but they don't want to show it as being a concern about the country, so they're only targeting the major airports of those countries because you got to remember Doha is a big country in Qatar. Kuwait City is another one. Cairo, Istanbul. These are the main, you know, airports, the main cities of their respective countries. So, you know, is that the only reason why? So we're going to have to kind of wait for the other reports. But it is um, amazing to see that the UK has followed suit on these uh, restrictions. Um with Downing Street commenting saying that they were necessary, effective, and proportionate. Um, so, at the moment, eight uh, UK airlines and six foreign airlines are being affected by this. Uh, with US officials saying bombs could be hidden in a series of devices. But the thing is, though, that's applicable to almost any airport. So, you know... It's amazing to see that the UK has followed suit with this so off, you know, so quickly, whereas something like the travel ban from the US is something that is quickly condemned by um, the US, uh, by the UK and many other countries, maybe not officially, but there definitely seems like a sentiment towards that. So... In terms of the actual full information, I feel like we haven't got it fully out because it seems to me quite strange that um, on, only certain airports and only in certain countries, only certain airlines are being targeted about this. Is it because of their security in those um, in those airports? Is there an actual security concern that all airports should naturally adhere to? Or is there a concern about uh, the countries that those airports reside in? Because I feel like that is a potential uh, concern uh, throughout this. But anyways, guys, uh, that is the news that I have for today. Thank you guys for listening to the Make Earth Think Again podcast. And I will speak to you in the next episode.